Welcome to the Space of the Waste, featuring host Melody Edmondson. Do you struggle with the right look to complement your body shape? Have you tried so many different looks and styles only to be disappointed time and again? You've landed on the right program. We'll show you how to make the right style work in your favor. Now, here is Melody Edmondson. Welcome to the Space of the Waste. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Variety Channel of Voice America. If you have missed some of our episodes, please go to www.voiceamerica.com and you can put on the search bar C. Melody Edmondson, E-D-M-O-N-D-S-O-N. And after our show or for any of the previous shows, you may also, if you need a visual, go to The Space of the Waste on Pinterest and you may see my Pinterest boards. They will have all the body shapes, circle, square, hourglass, rectangle, and all the rest by balanced waist, short waist, and long waist. The abbreviations are BW, SW, and LW. Today, I am so excited to introduce Matthew Jason Tompkins. He is a stylist, and he is going to be talking to us about how he got interested in being a stylist, what it means to be a stylist, and what kind of a career that means. And we're going to ask him all kinds of questions. So welcome, Jason. Hello. So glad to have you here. I would like for you to, I'm looking at your sheet here. There are just so many things on here, all the things you've done, dressing these R&B star, Angie Stone, Kent Falcon from The Promised Land, Hip Hop's Amina Butterfly, uh, Marcus Clanton, Jeremy Copeland, Alvin Ailey Dance Studio, and uh, TikTok influencer, Nate White, Splashlight, The Richards Group. I mean, I can go on and on. CBS Studios. You and the winner of season 16's Bachelorette, Dale Moss, and eight-time Olympic gold medalist, Frederick Carlton Lewis. The Baltimore Raven wide receiver, Devin Goda, and even the mayor of Baltimore, Brandon Scott. All right. We got wow. a styling mayor. Let's have it. So tell me, how did this tell all of our listeners how you got interested in this? Yeah, so I've always been a really creative person, and um, I think it really kind of started, so I went to school for ballet, um, before that I was a figure skater, and... Wow! Yeah, so I've always kind of been interested in movement, and as that kind of developed and evolved, um, I found myself really attracted to the woman... Um, the woman's physique and figure. And then when I was in school, people started asking me to draw and sketch their prom dresses. So that kind of evolved and I just kind of started sketching. And then when I was doing it, I kind of noticed, you know, when I was done the sketch, um, this kind of elation that um, the girl would have from, you know, getting something that she really wanted. And so, I was attracted to the emotional um, 
kind of result that happens when you really give somebody something that they really want to wear and something that they really desire and it made me feel good and so um i just decided to kind of chase after that one step at a time oh that is that's wonderful you're so talented you do so many things uh figure skate and ballet now my nephew also used to do ballet and Maybe he'll become a designer someday. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, you know, I think there's a few of them that started that way, you know, that they also did. I remember seeing somebody on Project Runway, the tall uh, yeah. Russian, I think he was, but he was so good. He was more of a lean, tall guy, and he uh, designed really elegant clothing. I don't know if you ever watched that Project Runway, but... Yeah, I've seen it a few times. I actually was a semi-finalist um, back like, so a semi-finalist is you audition and you get to the top 60. And so I got to the top 60, went to my audition in New York, and I was still sewing on the bus to get there. And when I got there, you know, what you see in front of the camera is not what is actually happening. So when you walk into the room and you audition, they have all these producers and all these directors. And then you have the judges in front of you that you have to give your spiel to. And when I walked into the room, I was like flabbergasted by all of the people that were about to listen yeah. to me talk about what I was doing. And I lost my focus and I couldn't, I just totally stuttered the whole time. Well, that's okay. I mean, it, <laughs> I think there needs to be a practice, don't you? Yeah. Because you're yeah. not expecting to see all of that, right. you know. Um, I know I did a commercial once too, and I did when I was 21, and I had all these people around me, and, oh, I'm talking about this layered outfit that I had on. They wanted to know about if that was two or three skirts. It was back um, – a few years where they had uh, his name was chance wayne and he was out of los angeles and he did all of this gauze and it was just off the shoulder and gauzy and you would do a top with a, another top underneath and then you did all these layers of skirts and so i started lifting up the various layers of my skirt until my the girl sitting beside me kind of tapped me like you know you're lifting your your skirt up on television so luckily i stopped with that eventually yeah. i only had three skirts on so there's only so far i could go but i know what you mean i know what you mean that walking in and seeing all those people can can throw you off yeah it can throw you off and you know you know now you know because you know a lot of creativity is becoming so much of pop culture and now you've infused social media so um, so, you know, a lot of creative people, though they may be creative, they may not really be good in front of the camera or they may get nervous in front of it. So mm -hmm. it's definitely a skill set you have to have. Yeah. And a lot of designers aren't good. They are very, very shy. I know I've spoken a lot to a lot of designers and they just said, I couldn't do it. Maybe my merchandising manager or my top salesperson could or head of marketing, but I don't talk and I don't like to speak in front of people. They're very shy and they like to be and they're super right. quiet and they, right. you know, but I thank God you were a dancer before yeah. because you have, you know, great stage presence. Um, I want to ask you, what were some of the other influences other than your own personal with dance, 
and uh, skating and yeah. everything. Were there other things that drew, drew you into sewing and cutting out, you know, in high school when they wanted something for prom? How did you even know how to do that? Yes. Yeah, so I grew up in a like a small little um, kind of like it used to be kind of like a watershed town, right? Um, you know, on the Chesapeake, called Bell's Point. And during the 90s... Um, That's in Baltimore? Yeah, it's in Baltimore. It was really... Um, they had, you know, it's, they had a lot of antique shops. They had a lot of, like, you know, when boating still kind of was a thing. They had a lot of, like, shipwreck stories you can go and while Also, juxtaposition was they had a lot of punk rock kids and movements. And so I had never really... You know, I didn't really know what that was, but I know that I remember the stark images of seeing, um, you know, all these punks together. And I would, you know, I was I was young, but I was still old enough to wander down the street and enter into these punk places and be able to see spikes and lots of black and different color hair. And those, you know, what visual appearances kind of did and the impression they left on the mind really inspired me to be able to create clothes that create clothes and imagery that really had a lasting effect just by color and shape and texture and really move. Um, you can really, you know, change. And you know, I mean, those impressions last, you know, they're still on my mind today. Yes, I would imagine that that's, that's great. Now, what would you say your brand or your style of styling is? What is your brand, so to speak? What's your gig? Yeah, so I'm always, you know, I think that a lot of people do basics really well. And so that's, you know, I love basics. I wear a lot of basics. I really like glamour. I love, you know, the look when people try. Um, I look when people put, the, you know, the extra effort into it. I love to make the person feel, you know, the best that they can, the most beautiful that they can. And, um, and that's, you know, a head to toe look. So, you know, that's what I do. Um, and, you know, I mostly work for, you know, brands. And um, and so when I work for the brand, you know, we take pictures of the clothes. But, you know, it's really a full head-to-toe look. You know, how does this hair look with the makeup? How does this look? Is this right? Um, you know, they say that perfection is kind of like, you know, not really attainable. But... You know, I try to get. You sure try. <laughs> I would say you are a perfectionist. <laughs> and yeah, I, I talked to one of your professors, and I would say you are a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that you know that is you know a blessing and a curse. Um, you know, constantly striving for more. But when it comes to um, being able to quickly, you know, look at something and make an edit or make a change or a recommendation. Um, it really helped the person, the client, the person wearing the clothes to kind of get where they need to go quickly without a lot of extra overthinking. Okay. Okay. Just so really like problem solving, like, okay, well, what do I wear? Well, how do you want to feel? And then kind of going and dressing them accordingly. Mm -hmm. Where are you going? You know, how's your hair look? You know, is, you know, what's the weather? All those things really mm -hmm. 
really kind of give you that optimal look with quick decision making. And then if you're doing it for a brand, like if Gucci hired you, you'd have to keep Gucci in mind with uh, their history and all that they do. And you have to sort of bring that in. And and then if you did Tommy Hilfiger, that would be something else. And then if you did, you know, Michael Coors, that would be something else. So I suppose you have to be hopping on, you know, six cylinders or more every time you do a styling. Uh, and then, of course, if you do the rock stars and the movie stars or whatnot, they have their own personal, you know, individuality to take in mind that maybe you may not care for. What do you do when that happens? Yeah. <laughs> that would be so hard for me. <laughs> That's a really great question. So I'll go through, you know, brand, celebrity, and um, and even models. But um, so with the brands, there's a thing in the industry called on brand. And so when you are styling for a brand, um, everything that you're doing for the brand needs to look on brand. So from the model selection, from, um, you know, how the fabric is going to drape, is it fitted, is it unfitted, what kind of makeup, um, you know, is there any makeup at all, even down to the retouching, like some brands are really retouched and overdone and then other brands, they really want to see the freckles. They want to see the imperfections. When it comes to celebrities and public figures, most people who take a lot of pictures already know how they want to be perceived. They know it works. They know it doesn't work. Um, and so they really have their specifications to what they want to wear and what they don't want to wear. So in that case, you're really catering to how they want to look. And most of them have specific colors. They have specific things they don't want to wear. So your job when you're styling celebrities and important people is just to pull, which is go to a press agency or a boutique or a store and get a variety of assortments that at the end of the day, the goal is just to find them something they really like and really love and they want to be photographed and to express themselves in that particular moment. Yeah, for, for, for models, the occasion or whatever it's for. Yeah, for the occasion, whether it's a movie, whether it's a record release, whether it's just an appearance. Um, and also within those celebrities, they have certain brands that they want to represent. They have certain oh. brands that, yeah. So that's also a big consideration. Certain, you know, certain people don't want to wear certain brands, especially now if we have all this um, consciousness, like yes. certain celebrities and important people only want to wear eco-friendly brands. Right. So that's a big consideration. When it comes to models and agencies, um, certain models get, you know, they have their client list. And so though you may want to do cornrows and crop tops and baggy pants for a model, that might not be her market demographic. She may be only for like kind of resort wear and more um, more upmarket and she may not want her hair in cornrows. So um, the models even have their own kind of on-brand thing too when you are shooting them, whether you're shooting them for a shoot that you got booked for or whether it's just doing, you know, a test or fun shoot, they still have specific things and ways they want to wear their hair and makeup and things that they, you know, the way they want to be portrayed to the public. Okay. Well, I remember a very long time ago, 
when I first started working and I was an assistant buyer, uh, my buyer had been a model before she'd become a buyer. And she said, I want to set you up with my agency. And I think you could do runway modeling to make extra money. Because I was trying to say, you know, how am I going to live on this salary, you know, with an apartment and a car and everything else. Yeah. So I did start modeling in fashion shows. But when she sent me to the agency, the agency says, oh, you're town and country. That's going to be your brand. I didn't say anything. I said, yeah, right. Okay. So I went back and I said to Gail, my, my buyer, I said, Gail, what's town and country? She says, well, let me go buy you a town and country magazine on the weekend. But she said, basically it means you're more of a classic woman and you will be doing more classics than you will super modern or way funky or anything like that. And I said, okay. So then this agency, you know, used to call me from time to time when they, they said, okay, we need town and country. So we want you to drop by, blah, blah, blah. But that was my first uh, classification. Somebody had put me in a classification. Yeah. And I thought, am I a, only one thing? And, yeah. you know, but I didn't think I was. But anyway, I did what, you know, I that's what I did for extra money. But I will say I was a stylist a long time ago, ha, 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 for my husband, ha, 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 with my, when he was going to a board meeting and he was a president of a company and I had gone out and bought him this outfit and he didn't know he had a board meeting that day because it was kind of an emergency thing. They did it at the last minute. So I had bought him this gorgeous olive green suit and I think it was Ralph Lauren and it had and I got a pink and olive like uh vest and and some really cool socks that were pink and these shoes that were olive and cognac I mean they were gorgeous I mean it was a whole head to toe pink and olive and I just thought he looked fabulous in it so I he wore it that day because we'd already got it tailored to fit his length and all of that. We'd gotten that done before. But anyway, he goes in and wears that. And he goes, all right, you dress me up and we have a board meeting today. And I am not going to wear this to the board meeting. So he ended up going to Marshall Fields, buying a whole new Navy suit with a Navy and a red tie and a white shirt to wear to the board meeting. Because the people that owned our company at the time were heart marks. And they're very, very conservative, kind of like a Brooks Brothers, you know. Yes. So that that ended my styling career. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that was something I wasn't very good at. But let's get on to um, some of the other. Uh, I know you you said you styled the celebs and the models and the magazines. And I kind of get what you're saying about that. And I would like to know if there were some of the things about summer and spring 22 before we get into fall. What have been some of the things you really haven't liked or that you don't like how they they style it and you style it different or is there anything you just love and you hope continues and that is continuing yeah so you know just talking editorially so you know um so i love editorial styling i love editorial photos but um i think that we've seen because the market is so oversaturated with designers you know, there's, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of graduates that graduate from school. 
from fashion design school each year. So they're all trying to, you know, get attention. And so, you know, we're inspired by what we see on the runway. And I think that, you know, we've seen just this over the top, to be quite frank, just ridiculous clown type of costumes. And they're trying to get more of, you know, likes and shares. But at the end of the day, I think fashion, though it's creative and though we want to be inspired, people still want things they can wear each season. Yes. And they want to look, and I still think people want to look good in their clothes. They may yeah. want to look unusual and different, but that doesn't mean ridiculous. And I agree with the clowning. And I, I just think some things aren't that wearable. Not only are they not wearable, not even for uh, a one-time event. How are you going to get out of the car? How are you going to walk in it? I mean, is it going to drown you, even if you're 5'11"? I mean, some of these are so voluminous, some of these, and they don't, they have no d defining. In other words, I looked at a few things going forward that are off the shoulder, very big sleeves, cropped and then a very high ruffly waist with a very wide skirt with that i can't think of one single person that'll look good on that and uh, only I, if you're narrow maybe nicole kidman or someone narrow and tall like the models but you'd have to be very narrow and very tall just like a pole for this to be on but i don't think it's flattering to anyone so i don't know where the body's coming in of course my big thing is the body shape there are specific body shapes there are women that have a little box on the top their torso and great big long legs and their waist placement is very close to underneath their bust line and then their hips are right there they maybe have three or four inches and then they have these girls that have a longer torso and a longer waist. And it isn't always that way. You can be short-waisted and be longer waist. I mean, you can be short-toesed and longer-waisted, and you can be long-torsoed and just ballast-waisted or shorter-waisted. Because I thought it was always the same, but it isn't. I mean, just because I have a box on the top and the longest legs on the planet doesn't mean everybody short-waisted does. Right, right. But I, I noticed that they don't pay too much attention to the body and uh, they sure don't care too much about anybody other than the rectangle. And now all the male models modeling for women's clothes are now also rectangle or inverted triangle, shoulders and narrow, barely a waist, no butt, no, no boobs. And, you know, they seem to love to design for that, the designers. But the point is, women aren't shaped that way for the most part. There's only 6% of people. And at, at the largest amount I've heard from Savitude is 20% or that like that. But Savitude printed that $129 billion is not made every year because they don't dress for the oval or the diamond or the uh, bottom bottom hourglass or the top hourglass. And of course, for me, that would be my circle. And within the circle are the, the almond and the diamond are included, the oval in that. But we are missing silhouettes that would look great on many, many 
different body shapes. And my thing is, it's not a size problem. We have sizes from triple zero to 50. It's not a size problem. It's a silhouette problem. If you're short-waisted or long-waisted, you would be so much better with no seam at the waist in your coats, in your jackets, in your dresses, in your evening gowns, and no belt at the waist, because you would already be able to fit hourglass and inverted triangle and, you know, triangle and square. You could fit almost every body shape in that. And if you're short-waisted, you don't wear a belt. If you're long-waisted, you could always add a belt because there's no seam right. where the belt would be. Right. And many times, the same thing with jackets. They will put these pockets on and those big patch pockets or those, uh, even the flap, they end up down on a short-waisted person's hip or thigh and on a long-waisted woman, you're, you have so much space that it hits you under your boobs instead oh of at your waist. So these, it's better longer, leaner jackets, not wide, longer, leaner. And then if you're long-waisted, you could also opt for a short jacket. But a short-waisted person will never look good in a boxy jacket or a short jacket because they're already so short on the top with all of these legs that they have to give their body proportion. So the longer, leaner jacket that hits more at the thigh, with they still have so much leg hanging out below it. I mean, it goes back to divine proportion. Yeah. You know, the Renaissance man and uh, the golden ratio. We have to go back to thinking about proportion. But anyway, Savitude has done a good job of figuring all that out. And I have done a good job of taking it all and making it even fewer than 792 body shapes. You could get it down to 18 by just using waist placement. But and I might miss a few people but you would very quickly hear about it because people talk now if they can't find anything, yeah, but there wouldn't sure. be this waste. Talk about sustainability. The most sustainable thing you could do is create the right silhouettes and there wouldn't be leftovers, let alone, of course, don't make fabric or fibers that aren't biodegradable, but there's laws coming up for that. But if they don't change having the 65% landfill being for rectangle and narrow hourglass, that's what ends up going into landfill. That's a really good point. It's got to get done. And I yeah. know you're doing it. I just want everyone to do it. And you, I know, will tell everyone. But what do you see uh, after summer? How do you see you know, some of the silhouettes going and how do you see yourself seeing those on models and how would you style it? Yeah. So right now, so right now we're, you know, we're seeing a lot of, so I'm going to go from summer and then I think it's going to transition into fall. Fine. So right now we see, you know, a lot of bright colors. We're seeing um, a lot of sparkle in the daytime. Um, we're still seeing like 70s platforms, which kind of give you that baby doll rock and roll. Um, we're seeing a lot of scarves, but wearing them differently, which kind of 
um, also goes with that whole 70s look. Um, I think that, you know, you know, you're like, oh, you know, is this really, you know, that um, that nuance? But, you know, so how fashion responds to environments is really important. And so we just went through this huge pandemic. Lots of people had family members that died. It was a really grim and, you know, just horrible time. So people want to express themselves. They want to be seen. They want to feel alive. They want to feel gorgeous. So sparkling glamour um, has definitely seen a huge resurgence back into the market. Designers are really taking risks and so are the customers. And so I think it's, it's a great opportunity to express yourself, wear bright colors, add a little razzle dazzle to the wardrobe, not be afraid because, you know, people were cooped up for, th you know, three or more years. So now it's just like, you know, everybody wants to come out. They want to be seen. They're able to come out and be seen. And people are taking more risks in the glamour. And even in like, you know, colors and eyeshadow, colors and accessories. Um, I think accessories are a really simple way to um, act in the punch with glamour, um, we're seeing a lot of a lot of beading happening. Um, I know you hate Affliger, but you know, really funky t-shirts are coming in to kind of show, you know, just freedom. Um, so yeah, so I think that those will still stay and move and transition into fall. Um, <clears throat> sustainability, <clears throat> I think is gonna take, you know, it's still it's you know, it's really important, but people are still, you know, especially with the economy right now, people are still shopping. They're still watching their budget. So a lot of these pieces, they're going to be, they're going to transition into fall, winter, but we're seeing a lot of mixing too. Um, like you said, you know, the, the fitted jacket is always um, a great accessory. The crop jacket is great for giving you that waist. Um, you can mix it with these oversized, you know, an oversized kind of more voluminous dress because Let's be real, a lot of people did gain weight during the pandemic. A lot of people were sitting around. Also, the work-life balance. More people are home. You know, we've transitioned from an office to sitting at home. So, you know, the silhouettes do have more volume. They are larger. So people are adding, you know, more of a structured blazer, maybe a little crop vest to kind of give you that waist and that cinch and, you know, kind of give you that added proportion that really takes it up a notch. Okay, I, I get that. Is there anything you hate that you think is a big no-no even though they're doing it in terms of whether it's an accessory or a, or a look that you don't particularly, you're not fond of, but sometimes uh, you might say, I think we can do better, I think we can, would you like to, to look your very, very best or do you just want to have fun and wear this great big puff sleeve or whatever? Yeah. Um, so, so. <laughs> and maybe you don't detest anything about fashion. You know, that's just me. There are some things I don't like. But. No, I definitely think, I definitely think that because of the social sharing and how people, um, you know, are being inspired, you know, before it was just magazines. And so we were all inspired by magazines and then it was television. Well, in magazines and television, we both, you know, we both have, we, we had, and we still do, but this was our only source of inspiration were professional hair and makeup artists. Yeah. So the celebrities, the models, the on-air television, 
you know, all the ads, they were all, you know, everything had a creative team. Now people are being inspired by social media. Yeah. So there is no standard for, you know, beauty and people are just copying. And so what I'm hating right now is the overdone eyelashes that are made from synthetic fibers, um, not doing it properly, the glue. You know, when we talk fashion, people think it's only clothes, but, you know, it's the whole look. And yeah. so another thing is because people have been home so long, a lot of the clothes that we wear at home, they're wearing them outside. And so though a lot of the fabrics can transition in and out because they're microfibers and they don't really wrinkle, I think that um, people have become, um, you know, less, um, less serious about, you know, where they're going and what they're wearing. And I think, you know, I just, I just think that the effort should not be lost just because you're going to the grocery store. I agree 1000% with you, Jason. I can't stand it. I can't stand. I went to the airport to Oklahoma and came back, uh, went through Vegas, um, went and came back and I never saw so many sloppy people in these airports. Everybody in flip-flops and short shorts and old raggedy t-shirts, not even new t-shirts. But not only that, it was only the elderly, I would say, and I hate to say elderly, but let's just say 80, I would say a few 80-year-olds, and I still always dress up because I do not, I'm not a sporty person. I'm just not. I'm a girly girl. So I always have a cute little outfit on when I'm in going to the airport or back. And also, I've had my luggage lost before uh, many times when I've traveled and I can't hone it down enough or I don't hone it down enough to carry it on. So I wear a nice outfit and have one in my purse just in case I lose my luggage. And then I, I could go two weeks if I had to, don't want to, but, and I could of course buy something, but I was just embarrassed by how everybody looked. I mean, they didn't even have their hair washed and their roots were like down to their ears. And I know they're trying to show all of this different hair, but it really just means you're lazy to get your roots done or you don't have a job and you don't want to pay to go get your roots done uh, if you're bleaching your hair or coloring yeah. it, but let's keep things up. And, but some of these very same people, exactly like you said, look so bad. And then they have on nails long enough to be the, as long as their hand and lashes that bump into their sunglasses. So, yeah. So I think that's a good point about the nails, you know, um, you know, I never wore long nails, so I don't know how practical they are in getting stuff done. But I do know that if you don't wash your, you know, your hands um, frequent enough, it is kind of, um, you know, it, it it is kind of unsanitary. Another thing talking um, is because of the way fabrics are manufactured now, and because of fast fashion, we have a lot of really lightweight spandex garments and that's great and you know i love i love it that spandex and things that have like in it and stretch but with that you know there needs to be a consideration for undergarments um which a lot of people really 
don't consider. And also, you know, most houses are, you know, indoor lighting. So what you see on the inside of the house and then when you walk out might be very different. Like your garment may not be translucent when you're inside. You might think it looks good. And then you go outside. There and you go. That <laughs> your, your underwear are red, but you thought they were brown or looked brown through your kind of like maybe cheetah sprint, print skirt. But when, <laughs> you you got outside, yeah, oh when you go outside, you can see them. And so that is something people have to consider indoor, outdoor. Also, when you do your makeup inside and maybe you're in a bathroom or you're, you know, in your room or, um, and then when you step outside, then it's, it doesn't, it, you know, it looks like you got your, you know, literally your makeup done in the dark. So you have to consider where you get dressed and where you do your makeup. And you see this a lot sometimes with, um, on, you know, anchors and like news people, like you can tell when they did not consider the lighting they're going to be in. Because when you're on stage and when you're, when you're in front of really bright lights, you know, it's going to show everything. So, you know, if you got dressed or you did your makeup in a really dark green room and then you went outside, it's kind of like, you know, a mortician did your makeup, which is never the look that you want to be fresh and vibrant. Yes. And all the fake suntans, I, I'm not a fan of because I don't think that the t if you're going to do it, you have to be, I mean, get a stylist because you need to take the hue of your skin and darken it. Don't just take any dark suntan and put it on your face because it isn't going to match your clothes. I mean, when I go shopping, I have natural skin that I try to match the hues with. And it was true that when I lived in New York, I did still sunbathe and go down to the beach and all of that. So when I was in New York, I did almost have totally different colors for the summer because I wore barely any makeup because I had such a dark tan. And then there were certain colors I could wear that I might not have worn in the winter, you know, because I had no color in my skin. My skin was very kind of milky white not beautiful like jason's but thank you <laughs> nor was i ever that pretty but anyway i think good ta good taste is still a high priority of mine and there a certain amount of classiness and still want to be modern but that's not that important to me as it is to look nice in my clothes and I always have been a person, I like, like the crotch area to be covered at all ages, even if you are in your yoga pants, because I just don't think it's a real attractive area. I think if you go right below the crotch and the front and the back, a longer top, even with your workout clothes looks better. Now, if you're really tiny and you have on a jumpsuit and it, I mean, it's a workout onesie, okay, great. Then when you work out, throw a little skirt around it or something, or throw on a pair of shorts or throw a tunic on. It would be looks more like going going for a quick uh, protein shake instead of um, going to a restaurant or something. I do know that there is just a certain class and integrity that I like about clothing and certain respect for various restaurants. There are various restaurants in smaller communities like. I live in Tucson and we have a few fine restaurants. And so for those restaurants, I say, come on, at least we're going to go out to a fine restaurant. You know what I mean? If you're going to spend a hundred or 200 a plate, let's 
look nice, you know, and you see people going in there with USA t-shirt and a pair of shorts and tennis shoes. And I don't think it gives the establishment respect. That's just me. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I am all into, you know, dressing for the moment. So, you know, you know, I think that we take, you know, time to, you know, not seriously enough, but you know, you you get one life, and so you have these moments, and and now we're seeing that, um, you know, Gen Z, um, Gen X, are really kind of valuing experiences more, um, and so when you go to you know fine dining or these restaurants, it's an amazing opportunity to kind of dress up, put on something nice, you know, you know, look gorgeous. So a T-shirt, I mean. You know, I think that's the establishment's fault for letting people in like that. But I know they told me I was I was at a nice restaurant and they told me to that I could not wear a hat. So I know that they still uphold certain certain standards um, for kind of dressing and evening dressing. I think it just depends okay. on the place. Yeah. yeah, probably. I think you brought up a lot of good points about lighting. I'd like you to, just because I think our listeners would enjoy this and you're knowledgeable about it, can, you know, there's a lot of mixing of prints and mixing of colors. Can you elaborate a tiny bit on that about if you did want to mix a print? I know they're showing a lot of florals right now and prints are kind of coming on as new and young people haven't really liked prints that much. In fact, I didn't even like prints and I think, a lot of people didn't because a long time ago, our either our grandmothers or our mothers didn't like prints. And I was coming from New York. And so when I worked in New York, I only wore black. You only wore black. And that's what I did is wear black. So I, I wouldn't even consider a print. But now I actually kind of like prints. But I personally, I'm not a person that would mix prints. Uh, but I have. I have. And I would like you to how to do that properly <laughs> yeah so um so now we're seeing a trend called one and done which is people just want to put one thing on whether that be a long dress or a kimono or a caftan and usually you know because we're seeing a lot more voluminous fabrics um they look best in prints and so you know historically we see micro prints to kind of be old and done but you you know i love to mix prints i think it's a great way to um kind of bring stuff in the now and also you can mix a lot of colors at once um i do think you have to have a little bit of restraint when mixing the prints so um you know so i think keeping it you know in the same monochromatic color um story is probably the best way to go having a color story is is good so you know if you're gonna you know do a warm tone it's probably best to keep it in the warm tone you know also if you know you can mix one color with the muted palette which also kind of gives it balance i think that when you know you know you are one person you know, one body. So if you look at yourself as an object, um, you don't want to have, you don't want to overwhelm the eye. And if you're going to do that, something else needs to play off of all of the prints that you're wearing. So you need to solidify in either matching an earring or 
bringing it to, you know, a really cute sandal that brings maybe the top color in your blouse into it. Um, but if, you know, if you're going to go crazy um, with maybe, a, a, you know, a really large neon print and a skirt, maybe balance it off with, you know, a white crisp shirt, or you do like maybe a nude to match your skin, um, or you can tone it all down and solidify it and kind of like dim it down visually through color by putting maybe a muted blazer over it or putting maybe a white jacket over it or maybe it's a really loud blouse but you do maybe a black pants or a black mini leather you know a black leather skirt mm -hmm. um and then maybe you take you know the really vibrant color and you um play it off with a handbag um there are many different ways i think you know it's so overwhelming for the consumer to kind of think about, okay, well, how do I do this? And I think whenever you do anything, it should be balanced and you shouldn't really be dressing for the trend. You know, the colors are there to uplift you and make you feel happy. And at the end of the day, you always want to feel comfortable with whatever you're wearing. I think mm -hmm. eyeshadows, lipsticks are great accessories. Um, I think, well, whatever you do, there needs to be kind of a pause. So you shouldn't, <laughs> You know, I wouldn't recommend, <laughs> you know, you know, a neon eye and then, you know, a neon green eye and a purple lip and then you have on orange, you know, unless you're going to Coachella. I think that, <laughs> you know, so another thing with color is you can play within that color family. So if you're doing a really neon orange, you can kind of play with maybe a flat that has, you know, a burnt orange in it, or you can even maybe take it down to burgundy. So, you know, you still keep it harmonious. Um, I think that, you know, it, I'm not a fan of wearing red and blue together. I think those are totally opposites. Also, um, wearing orange and purple, unless it's in a print, that's an opportunity. Um, but then you would, you know, if it's an orange and purple print, you wouldn't wear a purple pant. You might wear maybe a white pant or maybe a khaki pant. And then you would kind of bring that, pull that down into the shoe. Um, when you start mixing and matching your blouse to your shoe, it kind of doesn't become fashion. Um, if you're wearing a really bright, say I'm wearing a magenta top, well, maybe you might play with, um, maybe a violet shoe or maybe a powder pink shoe. There still needs to be some visual harmony in whatever you're doing if you're trying to have, you know, a pleasing look. Um, if you, you know, you're doing a burnt orange shirt or a red shirt, um, doing the same color shoe, it just looks really cheesy. So if you want to have more of a sophisticated look, you know, take it down a tone, bring it up a tone. Um, you know, when we talk about color, you can have a beige, but you also can do it and maybe a metallic beige and a sequin, or you could maybe do a beige and a sheer, or maybe you can do it in a leather. You can even do it in a suede. You can play with the different textiles to give you the different variants on how the color palette looks in the eye so you can not limit yourself so much. Yeah, that's a good point about the infusing in the metallic shoe. And you think the same with uh, handbag and shoes, they don't need to be so matchy-matchy, same leather and all that, same leather, same leather color. It looks no. a easy, I think. Yeah, I think that, I think that, you know, 
So fashion has always been for the more elite and intellectual. And so with that is the understanding of how to play on color. And so, you know, when you look at the color wheel, you see these basic colors, but there's so many other tones and beautiful hues that you can play with within a color family. Like purples have a large variety of colors and you can go up and down in hue and tone reds um and you know and lately you know in the 90s we saw helmet lang and like calvin klein playing with a lot of neutrals but neutrals are always a great way to balance stuff out i think that when people who don't know about color they'll just assume that white or black you know is the answer to kind of like tone down a color or balance out an outfit but there are a lot of other ways to kind of soften how the eye goes from head to toe that are in that color family, besides being such a stark breakup. Now, when you break up color, I do think that black is a great way to use on a bottom if you have a really bright top. It's an easy way just to kind of block out. And so all, you know, because at the end of the day with dressing, it's where your eye is going. Right. So if you have on black, your eye is going to the top and vice versa. Um, what I don't recommend, you know, unless you want all the attention um, on the bottom, is whatever color that you're using, if you don't have on all black, don't, don't do a black shoe. Because your, your eye just goes to the black and it just looks like you didn't try hard enough. Try to play with the color. I think skin tones are great to kind of extend the leg with the nude. Um, but, you know, take a little rest too. What do you mean? Will you go over that again about what you said? If, does that mean like if you have a bright colored ankle length skirt and a black, let's say, off the shoulder top, what shoe would you put with that? When you when all the let's say it's a like a fuchsia and a purple floral uh, ankle length skirt and a black off the shoulder puff sleeve top. Uh, yes. How would you, would you do with that? Right. I would probably either extend the leg with a new shoe. That's great. Okay. Or I would take one of the softer colors in the print okay. and take it down to the shoe. Um, like a different but, pink or a different purple. A Don't different do black. Pink. Don't do black. Not black because, because it, you know, the eye should flow harmoniously. It shouldn't be so stark um yes you know it should it, there should be harmony in how we you know I like that at the bottom yeah and i love that know, yeah and if you don't have anything else black you know you could always maybe the strap on your bag is black or maybe you accessorize it with a little you know black ring or maybe it's like a black bracelet um, or, maybe, or earrings, maybe, since your ears are by your yeah. blouse, or would you pull color from the skirt to the, or would it depend on the hair color? Yeah, that's a really great question. Like if so, somebody has black hair, you might do one thing, and if exactly. it's a blonde, you might pull the black, but if you're exactly. black hair and darker skin, you might pull the the, the cherry pink from the skirt. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. 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 I look at it, I, I look at hair and makeup and accessorizing like the cherry on top or like the bow to the outfit. Kind of yeah. Like yeah. So, but also, you know, considering, you know, like I said, hair and makeup is an accessory, you know, it is color. So, 
you know, a lot, you know, mascara definitely is a compliment to that outfit with the black color, you know, with mm -hmm. the black skirt. Yeah. Also, also, like if your eyebrows are darker, you know, yeah. that, that that is a piece of that outfit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, I, I'm getting it. Yeah, I think that's cool. Uh, the we only have I can't believe it. We only have seven minutes left. And oh, I'm just wow. so this went so fast. But um, I will just say um, I did, there is a lot of tattoos going on out there. And I saw a, actually the most beautiful tattoo I've seen yet yesterday. And it, this guy had like Saturn and all the planets around Saturn on his arm. And I just thought it looked really pretty. But what is the thing? Do you think tattoos are continuing? It's still going to be more and more tattoos everywhere or because uh, sometimes I do think tattoos take away from the clothing because they're in a certain color and then you put on color. And to me, sometimes they get in the way. And I know with models, um, it, they don't like you to get tattoos because it limits the things that they can have you wear because it then shows tattoos everywhere. So what is your take on tattoos? Yeah, so I definitely, you know, tattoos have been a huge trend, especially in fashion. But, um, but you know, if you get tattoos, you know, we are in a time where tattoos are popular, but as trends, they go in and out. So well, I would say, you know, we just came through this, you know, this really tough time. And so people are searching for meaning. So, you know, when you get a tattoo, you know, I like tattoos. I don't have any tattoos, but I think whenever you do something permanent, you know, you know, you shouldn't, you know, you should, you should make sure that you're making it for the person you're going to be in the future. So yes. you don't want to make, in a, you know, a temporary decision that lasts forever. Yeah. So, but with tattoos, you know, people get tattoos of their, you know, loved ones that have died and their family members. So, you know, you know, you can't yeah. really, you can't really, um, you know, take away from, you know, the message and importance of tattoos. Um, but also, I think that people have gotten tattoos because they're, you know, they're pop culture. I agree. Whenever you get something, you need to make sure that you're really. There you go. That's that's the answer, kids. No, we have to go. Unfortunately, uh, Jason, this has been the fastest hour I've had. But thank you so much for being with us today. We look forward to seeing your collection and everybody Pleasure. tune in to the website I posted on my page go to my page and get uh jason tompkins uh website and you can go there and very soon you'll be able to see his collection so he is a stylist but he does a lot of other things he has a clothing collection so i'd love for you to see it okay thank you so much thank this is so Mel much jason and jason tompkins thanks for listening to the space of the waste on the variety channel see you next tuesday Thank you for listening to The Space of the Waste. Please join host Melody Edmondson again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next time.